The following presentation was recorded at the Buddhist Society of Victoria, Malvern East, Australia. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. So welcome to everyone here in the hall. It's a nice, nice group. Last time I was here to do a guided meditation, it was much a smaller group. But, you know, that might be COVID and all these things happening at that time as well. So thanks a lot for making the effort to come and meditate here in a group. It does actually make a bit of a difference if you sit with a group of uh, like-minded people, if you sit in a place that has built up some energy over the years, that can actually support you in your meditation practice. So usually when I do the guided meditation, I reflect a little bit about what I talked on Sunday, so on Sunday we talked about Upeka, the fourth Brahmavihara, and Upeka is uh, a very deep balance. It is uh, being present, but not getting involved. And that's one of those things that is so difficult. <laughs> Even though we sometimes think we are not getting involved, we are actually getting involved. We are invested in things. We are attached to things. We have a certain interest of achieving something. We have the fear of losing something. And that is really the stuff of the world. That's what we've been taught, that we have to know things, that we have to achieve things, that we have to control things. And meditation, and especially this concept of upeka, is going completely in the opposite direction. And it's hard to grasp and it's also difficult to bear sometimes because losing control is one of those deepest fears we all actually have before we realize that we don't actually have as much control as we think. And because fear arises, we even try to hold on harder <laughs> We try to hold on more, we try to hoard things, we try to manipulate things, and we very, very often make the situation worse. So how can we try and move in the opposite direction? And one of those similes that Ajahn Brahm often brings up from his teacher is the simile of the leaf on the tree. So you have the leaf on a Bodhi tree or any other tree that you might have in your garden. And the nature of that leaf is actually to be still. The leaf just is. The leaf is not interested to go anywhere or to achieve anything. But once the wind comes and blows, then it does move 
uncontrollably all over the place. And Ajahn Chah would often say that our mind is like that leaf. And the wind that blows, he would usually, Ajahn Brahm shows, like he would put his hand up and go like, yeah, it's going up and down and up and down and up and down. And the wind which blows these things around could be uh, the worldly winds that we talked about, the things we want, the things we don't want, but it's, it's just the wind of wanting. So if the wind of wanting can die down, then the leaf will become still all by itself. But now if self arises, if fear arises, we're just creating more wind. <laughs> we're actually not making that leaf become still its natural state. So we have to, little by little, learn. <laughs> That's actually an expression from Ajahn Brahm. Little by little, he uses that so often, so you can see how I've been conditioned. We can learn what makes that wind die down. And that often needs a lot of patience. Something happens, and we get activated, <laughs> and we get involved. And instead of stepping back, and not feeding that energy and letting it die down all by itself. There is kind of a modern expression about uh, one of my monk friends often says that. When there is fireworks, you step back and you watch the fireworks. You don't get involved in the fireworks. You might, you know, kind of enjoy them from a distance, <laughs> but you are not in there because it's, it's dangerous and it's going all over the place. And <laughs> it's, it's, you, can't, you can't appreciate the beauty. And the other thing that uh, I mentioned during the talk, the other kind of simile which really um, resonated with me is, is reflecting things, being like a mirror, being like an armless observer, Ajahn Brahm called it. So you're just watching, and that is actually the most literal transa translation of u-peka, just looking on. And when I was reflecting on this, it's a little bit like, like a dial that can be dialed up and that can be dialed down. And in meditation, we learn which things dial it up and which things dial it down. And when we know it really well, then it's not a dim switch anymore. Then Ajahn Brahm talks about the letting go button, where we know where it is, and <laughs> we can just kind of flick it. And that reminded me of staying here at the Vihara. I have stayed here many, many times before. But because it's been a long time, I was looking for the light switches. <laughs> I was looking on where they actually are, and they're in funny places in, 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 this, in this one building because we have a porch and we have a door that comes from the outside. So you actually come into the room, and it's dark. <laughs> 
at night. <laughs> so you have to switch on the light in the corridor to see a little bit, and then you have to make your way through the darkness to the door, which is the door from the outside that we don't actually use, and then flip that switch. So when the environment changes in meditation, so do those switches. So a switch that works one time maybe won't work another time. And we will find ourselves in this kind of dim room, in this unlit room, before we can find our way and uh, flip that switch. Anyway, so that's uh, a few ideas here. Very often I have a bit of an idea, but this time I thought, because I'm trying to talk about losing control <laughs> and being okay with it, I'm not going to think too much about what I'm going to say and just see what comes out. And actually when the mind is peaceful and when the mind is quiet, then very often the right things do arise. But one quote that I used yesterday from Ajahn Brahman that I did write down, <laughs> we have these things on computers these days everywhere, but um, I actually put it on a piece of paper, and that goes along the same lines. It says, always measure equanimity, which is upekka, by the degree of stillness it creates, seeing if it ends things and leads to viraga, this beautiful term of fading away. And what fades away? The problem fades away. The defilements fade away. The winds of wanting and not wanting, trying to control, trying to achieve, they, they, they die down and we can enter into this beautiful territory of stillness, of peace, and of just being. So let's see if we can get a bit of a taste and find that dial and see what dials it up and see what dials it down in the meditation together. Okay, yeah, that was pretty much 15 minutes, so... <laughs> Very good. So if you haven't uh, closed your eyes already, um, I invite you to do that now and also to find a position that is suitable for your body at this time. So again, the relaxation button in your body, the relaxation dial in your body is different every day. It's different every meditation. So I came here a bit earlier and I took a different cushion this time and put it in a spot that I felt is most supportive for what my body needs at the time. So please feel free to, to wiggle and to adjust. Now that time is here to do so. But do this as well with stillness and with listening, not with telling the body what it needs to do or, you know, what you think 
your body actually needs. Just listen for a while and see if your body can let you know. I need to be scratched a little bit here or adjusted a little bit there. It might be telling you that some of the clothing is a bit tight and needs to be loosened. Your hands and your feet might have to be put in a different position than the position they're already in. So even here we're not really trying to achieve a goal. We're just listening, being kind, and responding. And when the move was the right move, then stillness will increase. Then things settle. And with it, the identification fades away as well. It's not really our body. It's just the body doing its thing. Can we just look on? Look on with kindly eyes. Trusting that the body knows how to relax and stop. Just like that leaf knows how to stop. It's natural. If we don't get involved.
allowing the body to rest. Allowing the senses to rest. Your eyes are already closed. So we're not looking for anything. You're not trying to smell or to taste or to touch. Or to feel with the body. And one of the hardest one is the hearing. But let us not be interested in the world of sound. Let us be naturally drawn to stillness instead. And when we're not pulled outwards into the world, we fall back, we fall inwards. And hopefully you have found that dial which makes your body relaxed.
no work to be done so we can rest. And it's the same with our emotions, with our thoughts. They usually go out into the world. Or they are like an echo from what has happened in the world or what we are anticipating to happen in the world. Upeka, just looking on, is like this sound panel which absorbs the movement of the mind the movement of the emotions. So that they can slow down. And that eventually they can even stop for short periods of time and then for longer and longer. There is no business to be done, then they can rest. That's what we call contentment. Completely happy and at ease just being here.
Let's see how still and how peaceful our little leaf can become. How motionless not because we hold it, but because wanting is dying down. Wanting is disappearing. Wanting is fading away. And when things are reasonably quiet and peaceful, you might become aware of your breathing. Gentle, soft movement of the breath. Flowing in and flowing out of the body. And even that movement of the breathing is like another of those dim switches of those dials.
if we just look on with kindness. And even the breathing will become smooth. Peaceful. And still. I'll now let you meditate by yourself. Simply looking on the process of what is unfolding. and seeing things calm and fade.
If your little leaf gets shaken up for whatever reason, don't worry about it. Let it shake and tremble for a little while. Knowing that if you don't feed the wind of wanting or not wanting, it will become less and less all by itself. And your leaf will find some respite, some relief, some rest again.
And as we are slowly approaching the other end of the meditation, now is the time to reflect. How do you feel? How still could your body become, your mind become? What do you lose along the way? And we might even realize that instead of calling it losing things, we're actually being liberated. A loss is usually something we think is negative. Liberation is a freeing. Is something we welcome. and felt something we value. I'll be ringing the bell three times. For you to slowly come out of meditation.
Welcome back. Cecily lost her leg for a little while there. <laughs> it can sometimes happen here. So now is usually the time if people have questions or anything they wish to share from the meditation session we had or anything that you know might have brought up or that you brought to the session but hopefully we're able to put it down <laughs> for the time of the meditation and maybe who knows some insight some wisdom has actually arisen from your own heart so we can really just you know give some advice try to help but you'll have to find out for yourselves what actually works try things out sometimes and yeah really listen to your own body and to your own mind we monastics can usually you know we have some experience from talking to people some experience from our own um, meditation practice but sometimes it it doesn't match anyway we had a question from yesterday I thought is that right yeah if we want to do that one first then let's see thank you Bhante uh, yes but I mentioned this one came in from our session yesterday from the uh, from the Dhamma talk so I said we'd put this first on the list so sure so the question is uh, when I get into deep meditation I get a feeling like my head is being pushed or there's pressure pushing in a certain direction sometimes it's like a rocking feeling it scares me out of the meditation can you provide any guidance please mm. yeah so the main point there is is the fear really that arises where you have to um, see where that might be coming from uh, my guess is you're talking about deep meditation so I assume you're talking about stillness that has already built the body already you know has faded away to a to a very large degree and also thoughts and emotions usually at that time have already subsided as well and then our minds get liberated in a way that we are very often not used to so we perceive the world in conditioned ways and in meditation sometimes the mind becomes wings that's the word Ajahn Brahm uses for it. So it, it brings up weird sensations, weird feelings. And one of the ones I'm familiar with myself is, if that is a similar feeling that you have, that I do feel pressure, um, some kind of pressure, but it's, it's not really directly pressure in the body or anything, but it's, it just gives you this kind of feeling of of pressure but it's nothing 
dangerous. It's also nothing we have to pay too much attention to. It's just one of those kind of stages that we that we move through. And also the rocking can actually be something which uh, which happens. So I encourage you from what we talked about today if you can stay equanimous in that situation as well realizing that these things are are normal these things do arise and you don't have to be afraid of them and just let the body rock if it needs to rock sometimes we can actually see it from the outside that the body does rock a little bit but sometimes it's something which is just happening internally something we just perceive in that way but it's actually not happening if someone is watching on from the outside so that pressure for example it's just a sensation and that rocking can also just be a sensation and very often what happens is when meditation deepens energy is liberated and it can manifest in many different ways but it will also like all the other meditation objects it will eventually calm down and become more and more still and it's still there but it's a different kind of power it's a different kind of energy that is much more mental than physical so sometimes you are kind of at the edge there of that transition and then these things can occur so um i encourage you to see if you can stay with it a little bit longer but of course if it is too overwhelming if it's too powerful then no problem you can open your eyes you can even do some walking meditation but uh from what it sounds to me it's not a bad energy or an energy that you wouldn't be able to go through um just uh yeah have a bit of courage and trust the process that the body will do what it needs to do it needs to shake a little bit it will do that and then it will be fine <laughs> the leaf will start to become more still again i hope that helps that's always a bit difficult when we have questions online that we don't really get the feedback and we don't know if the person from yesterday is online today but yeah we mentioned it yesterday that we will bring it up okay and then we go to the hall here if anyone wishes to share or ask anything now is the time okay do we have more yeah we yeah. have one more question okay. um bante so the second question here is how do we know we're on the right way in meditation when we don't yet experience the different stages in brackets beautiful breath nimitta mm. thanks for your teaching mm. um well i i thought i mentioned uh, or i i kind of answered that question already um leading up in the in in the beginning before we went into the meditation so Oh, of course sometimes we expect like these big feelings and things but they start small 
And um, they start with being comfortable with that stillness and basically being open for these feelings. So they're always there, but we have to recognize them and then encourage them and let them grow. But again, we can't make those things happen. It's not something like in the world where you strive and you go and you get and uh, then you're satisfied kind of thing. Contentment is, is much, much more subtle than all these other feelings. So um, it starts with relaxation, really. It starts with appreciating less movement, appreciating stillness and really um, savoring it and then once the the mind you know gets interested gets uh, gets drawn into it then um, these things start to snowball all by themselves one of the things that often comes up for me is uh, the simile of the fire because we do have, it's now winter again, and we can have fires at Newbury Buddhist Monastery with the uh, uh, excess wood that we burn. And uh, I don't know about you, but I guess it's something human that we are drawn to, to the warmth of a fire, uh, especially once it has its coals and it's just kind of, you know, just warm and, and slightly flickering. And... That is very similar with the things that do start to arise in meditation. We just kind of want to hang around. We just are drawn to it. We, we, we want to stay um, with these kind of things longer, but we can't <laughs> make them stay. <laughs> I hope that um, helps with that question. Yes, please. Uh, do you mind using the microphone? Because then the people uh, on the other end out there can hear it as well. Thank you. I feel a bit nervous about I feel like I'm doing a public speaking uh, okay. thing. Okay. Well, they um, can't see you. <laughs> um, I have a question about emotions. And yes. when a certain emotion arises, whether it's a, a flavor of anger or sadness or whatever it is, and sometimes I find I get an urge to cry. And when I'm mm. on my own meditating, I can just be with that and let it be expressed if it's through crying or sometimes I move my arms sure. but when I'm in a group setting I feel like uh, a sense of more constriction with mm. that because I don't want to disturb others and I also mm. wonder if how to approach that urge to cry or mm. to move in that way mm. uh, I, I would usually encourage it to to you know, let let it happen. Sometimes it's it's a way of uh, energy again to to be released. Um, but I understand, yeah, in a in a group, you <laughs> kind of don't 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 feel like it. So um, I I don't know. <laughs> um, maybe it's also sometimes you know if it if it if it arises and then the feeling of not wanting it in a, in a group can can even make it worse. Yeah. <laughs> so it it could actually um, resolve itself when we don't get too invested in what the people would be thinking 
or what it might you know might, might cause in a group and if if these things do happen we usually try to you know talk about it a little bit afterwards and i i would say everyone would would understand and uh, would uh, wouldn't have a problem with it i guess <laughs> i mean i definitely wouldn't <laughs> And uh, if if it's a group where you where you feel safe and where you've been for for a longer period of time, yes. then uh, yeah, it's it, it's a safe place, and it would be okay. It reminds me of um, the story where um, someone was coming to our city center in Perth, and uh, the person was in a very difficult environment, and she would come to the hall. And Ajahn Brahm would be giving the talk or whichever monastic, and she would fall asleep and start snoring. <laughs> and uh, when people actually knew what was going on and that that was the only safe space for that person at that time, no one really minded. And Ajahn Brahm basically told the people, look, don't, don't wake the person up. Just let them go through their th- whatever they are going through. Thank you. So I hope we have that space here as well. But of course, at at home, we can feel a bit more. Yeah, <laughs> it can have it can have a good effect as well. I think sometimes when you sit in a group, and um, not in terms of, um, well, how do I put this? It's it's it is a slightly kind of a thing I was like oh I don't want to embarrass myself <laughs> that can sometimes bring up a little bit of energy in your meditation but on the other hand sometimes I feel it's actually quite nice when I'm tired especially as a teacher and I do fall asleep <laughs> that actually shows the group that that is okay that whatever um, things we are going through in meditation that need to be kind of like you ride out the storm you write it out in the meditation as well, and it's just what the body does. It's just what emotions bring up. And uh, crying for me, it kind of washes things. It, it, yeah, it purifies things. So I find it a beautiful process, and I find it beautiful if we can uh, have spaces where it can be held um, as something normal, as being human as being vulnerable and expressing things in these ways. Okay. Ah, some more. There is one more here. Oh. <laughs> oh in fact, that second one just popped in. Oh, there we go. Okay, I also felt like I disappeared for a bit after feeling like I wasn't, in quotes, getting anywhere uh-huh. and thanked my thoughts. Does that sound right? Thank you, Bhante and Beersley. Uh, okay (laughs) so the person felt they disappeared right okay um, but but it felt like some liberation I guess because they are afterwards saying I thanked my thoughts for maybe not being there for a while because very often we don't realize that thoughts are actually creating friction and when they are not there, it's just so smooth and so still and so peaceful and so nice, actually, when we get used to it. So I hope that is 
describing the experience that, that you had, but it, it sounded positive, so great. And even if we blank out sometimes, which happens as well, that's okay. <laughs> if the body and mind just needs that little break, then just see how it feels afterwards. And from the response that you have read out, it sounds like you were thanking the mind and the, the mind was thanking you, so it sounds like it was what, what was needed at that moment. So when we actually do get out of the way, then we always feel better afterwards. And that is a good indication. If we are peaceful and if we are happy, then something has actually been released. Something has been liberated. And there was one more, is that right? Or do we have anything in the room? Oh, yes, please. Yeah, please go for it. At the risk of you uh, hating this question, but... Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Could you talk a little bit for me about, oh. for about everyone, really, about liberation, what it means in terms of this lifetime, or is it referring to at the point of, of death, or like, could you just, just outline your understanding of liberation, please, Ajahn? Yeah, well, it's a, it's, a, it's a big word. Yeah. And of course, very often, in religious terms, they talk about liberation as, you know, the, the end goal. But that's not really what I was referring to. I was more referring to all these small little things that we are holding on to and that we are interfering with. And when they are let go of, we get a sense of liberation. So we realize that we are, in Buddhism we often talk about fettered by so many things. We are kind of bound down and once these things loosen, we realize we have much more room to breathe. We have much more um, freedom. That's kind of what was going through my mind. Mm. So would you say if giving up the desire for money, possessions, power, that's, that's a form of liberation? Uh, yes, yes, but uh, I mean there are certain forms in this world that have a purpose and um, as a monastic I can let them go <laughs> and I can trust um, that the people will support my lifestyle and it has worked so far for two th oh, over 2,500 years. But uh, as a layperson out in life, um, it's like an energy that we, we have to use. And the question is how we use it. Are we used by it or are we using it hmm. for, a, for a good purpose, for a skillful purpose? And are we um, distraught when it disappears for some reason? Yeah. Are we so attached to it that we are not willing to share it like we are willing to share the other energies we have with the world and believe that, yeah, it's something that we will give and something that will come back to us. And when we are not um, so fettered by it, when we are not so obsessed with it, very often it actually flows much more naturally from us to others and yeah. from others to us. Yeah. So would it be correct to say that the non-attachment to our worldly possessions 
is an example of liberation? Uh, it would be, yes. But very often we grasp it again as a um, as a, a intellectual concept, and we kind of say like, "Oh, I'm not attached," and we start to act in a way as if that were so. But because we still are attached, we are suffering. Yeah. So it is a natural um, expression of when it has reached that stage. So we rather work on having that feeling within us and then it becomes a natural expression in our outside world rather than trying to you know think it through and 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 practice it in a way just if there is you know if there is something which inspires you that you want to be generous with just do that and and develop um, that energy and get into that energy rather than thinking about the other end of uh, you know I shouldn't be attached and I, I'm yeah, now going to okay. go the going to do these things to not be attached yeah. follow what you're inspired follow the things that actually you feel liberated by mm. in those wholesome ways and then they will become more and more um, second nature over time okay which is an example of just being kind Yes. Yeah. All right. Thanks yes. very much. And you will realize that monastics who have been monastics for a long time, that they don't really have that sense of ownership anymore to their bodies, to their minds, to their thoughts, and to the things and to the people around them. They're kind, but they are not seeing it as their property or they're not thinking that they can control these things. If it's not the individual's property... Is it anyone's property or is it any being's property or like? Not really in the end. But once we start that game, then, um, yeah, we, we have to kind of play it. <laughs> but ultimately, uh, not really, no. Okay. Right. Thanks. <laughs> Deep questions. Hopefully some answers that help. One more we had, is that right? Yeah, thank you, Ajahn. And then we, maybe we can close unless there is some last question from the ground, okay. uh, from the floor. Or, yeah. <laughs> All right, last one from online today. Recently, I've been feeling a sense of fear when meditating. It's, it literally feels like someone is in the room with me mm. and I'm not alone. It prevents okay. me from letting go completely. What do I do? Okay. Well, yes, it can be many things. It can be energies that might be around. It can be just something that we are feeling. Um, if it is a being that is that is around, um, you can be very um, kind and generous with that being. Uh, in terms of sharing your practice with them and sharing your virtue with them, that energy, but also being clear that um, the other being and yourself, um, as I explained yesterday, are responsible for their own actions and are responsible for their own kamma. So whatever you do is your kamma and you will uh, reap the benefits and whatever other beings there might be. Uh, it's the same for them. So we can um, we can't really give them anything, or they can't really give us anything. 
but we can again uh, inspiration is one of those things how it works so if we want to share merits for example with with beings who are in a difficult situation i often compare it to like a big buffet that we might um you know put out and cook lovely food and put it there and say if you want to come and help yourself you can but uh, we can't you know basically <laughs> shove it down someone else's throat so you can you know share your goodness and um um send your good wishes but if you feel that um yeah the pre- the presence is is not really really welcome and you uh, are not in the right um state of mind uh, you can also tell them look this is my space where i meditate now and you know draw draw a boundary kind boundary and uh say maybe you have to go somewhere else um to um find what you are looking for yeah it is it is very important to have a safe space so um maybe you also want to meditate with a group even with an online group or you want to go to a physical place um that might be might be helpful it's just what comes to mind with these situations it's really difficult to actually you know again <laughs> we don't have a conversation so i can't really um get all the information that i think i need i hope what i've said uh, though makes sense and uh, and does help in your situation okay very good anything else from here okay very good so thanks again for coming sitting together and um sharing that energy with everyone else we do support each other in the practice okay let's uh, bow to the buddha dhamma sangha to finish off